I, I want to get a huge pool and immerse myself completely. Uh, <laughs> so every, every nook and cranny is filled with Japanese. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Kodakata Podcast. In this episode, we interviewed Denny, a Russian YouTuber who makes videos about his journey in learning Japanese. Some of his most viewed videos on his channel include his yearly progress videos with the Japanese. And he even has an interview with Matt vs. Japan on his channel as well. In this episode, we talk about his journey learning Japanese, his plans for moving to Japan, and his other passions as well, such as cubing, reading, and music production. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe, as it would really help us out in making more content. And if you want to personally support the podcast, we have bonus clips of most of our episodes on Patreon. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Thanks. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Kodakara Podcast, where we look into different aspects of Japan with people who know what they're talking about. I'm Raza, and I'm joined by my co-host, Eric. And this week, we have a very special... Yeah, so... I first got to know Denny when I first started to learn Japanese, and then I was looking at how to learn Japanese on YouTube, and I found Denny's videos where he documented his entire process learning Japanese, where he made basically progress videos every single year of where he was at with his Japanese level, and those videos were actually filmed in Japanese, so when I was watching it, it was really motivating for me. And on his channel, he also features a lot of different hobbies that he has. Uh, such as things like cubing, music production, and playing the piano. But today we really want to get to know uh, a little bit more about who the man is behind the YouTube channel. So, Denny, can you give us a little background and history of who you are and where you're at today? Uh, well, first of all, thank you. That is uh, very flattering. Um, but yeah, I uh, I think that's fairly a fairly accurate description. I uh, My main thing, I guess, uh, that well... What I'm trying to focus on the most is Japanese right now. And uh, in the meantime, I'm trying to work on my YouTube channel. Uh, I just recently made a Patreon. So hopefully uh, I'll, I'll be, I don't know. I'm going to try to make it a little more sustainable over time. Um, mm -hmm. Then, yeah, I have university. Uh, I'm going into my third year of university, which should be in Japan. But um, who knows how that's going to go with the virus now. Uh, and then, yeah, music production, just something I'm kind of passionate about. Uh, not really my main focus, but also something I like. And cubing, I don't really do cubing these days, but uh, there was a time when I was really hardcore into it, especially in 2018, uh, last year with mm -hmm. competitions too. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, why don't we just get right into uh, Japanese first? So, Denny, like, what was the reason that made you want to decide to study Japanese in the first place? Oh, this is something that a lot of people ask me about. And I, uh, it's actually something I've wanted to talk about. Um, I think the first time I ever just got the idea in my head to even consider learning Japanese was like a lot of people through watching anime. <laughs> but uh, the time when I actually made the choice to actually start doing it was like there was one evening when I was talking to my mother and she brought up like, if I would want to learn a, a new foreign language besides English. Um, and I thought like, well, if I were to learn any foreign language, it would probably be Japanese because that's what I have the most interest in right now. And literally the very next day I started learning it because um, I was already late, uh, so I didn't really have time. But I next day, I still to, to this day remember how I was, I was in my last year of school. Uh, 
And I was like eager to get back home because I really wanted to start, to start learning Japanese <laughs> as soon as possible. Um, and then my interest just grew uh, stronger and stronger uh, through talking to Japanese people, learning about the culture, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So where exactly did you meet these Japanese people? Oh, uh, well, my first time talking to a Japanese person was through texting. Uh, it was uh, a friend of my sister. Uh, from university uh, who was Japanese and um, yeah I just texted her it was it was so frustrating because I just knew hiragana and I didn't even know the small characters of hiragana I I thought they were just the same characters but smaller I didn't realize that they uh, were actually read slightly differently Um, and yeah it was just very frustrating Uh, but it was only three weeks into learning Japanese that I started doing that and then one month into doing it, uh, into learning Japanese, uh, I got connected with a Japanese guy on italki. And um, mm-hmm. then we spoke on Skype uh, regularly. He was learning Russian. I was learning Japanese. It was a huge language barrier because neither his Russian nor English were very good. But, and it was very <laughs> frustrating. But uh, over time, I got better and better. He got better. And uh, we got to... Well, it was uh, it got easier and easier to communicate. So it was definitely uh, I could definitely feel my progress as I was um, learning and studying. Were you interested in Japanese media like straight from the beginning, like even before you started learning Japanese? Uh, Japanese media. Well, I was uh, watching anime. I think it was uh, like fall of 2015 uh, when I started watching mm-hmm. anime like regularly. Um, and then in January of 2016, I began learning Japanese. Uh, so yeah, I was already exposed to Japanese media a little bit. Um, but through actually learning it, my interest grew stronger and stronger. Um, I like, I, I've also picked up German, but with German, I, I still don't have that connection. So I'm kind of thinking about like, if I even want to get back to it, because like, to me, at least, you really need a, a connection with the language to mm-hmm. try to, uh, you know, get better. Uh, but I don't feel like I have that with German, but with Japanese, most certainly. Is there like a specific anime that you watch that like really like got you into um, wanting to learn Japanese? Or was it just like you kind of watched it that um, in 2015 and you're like, OK, this is like really cool. I just want to keep watching more type of thing i remember what it was it was that i was watching something with subtitles and i was hearing the japanese in the background and i was thinking like oh it would like their voice acting sounds pretty interesting like it would be cool if i could understand it in the pure japanese Mm. without the translation so that was when i first got the idea um but it, it really didn't become uh that much of an interest until I actually started studying it and um, started learning about Japanese culture. And uh, in the beginning, my main reason was that I wanted to talk to Japanese people because I uh, found them quite interesting and different uh, from Mm -hmm. where I grew up. Uh, And uh, yeah, mostly like, um, I guess, cultural uh, interest, I would say. I see. Do you intend on continuing to make these uh, yearly update videos, even though... In the past few years, uh, past few videos, you said how your speaking ability didn't necessarily improve. 
Oh, yeah, I actually considered that when I recorded my last one, and I think the one before that, that at this point, it's not really as much about the showing it directly, because mm-hmm. in the beginning, I really focused a lot on speaking. So I think I had a huge imbalance of my listening and reading abilities and my speaking abilities. So like I was fairly confident with speaking, even though my vocabulary wasn't really that impressive, but I could still hold the conversation fairly comfortably, even at two years. Um, but like the main issue was the reading and listening. So at this point, I'm kind of treating it as a diary of sorts. So I'll definitely do a five-year progress video. I've I've not really thought about further than that, but I'll definitely do a, a progress video for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of a, a diary type of thing at this point. Do you feel like uh, your confidence with your own Japanese level has dropped the more you study? Because I know with like, there's like the effect of like the Dunning-Kruger effect where in the oh, beginning yeah. people are the most confident and then later on as they learn more and more they're like oh no i actually suck even though they're actually like way better than they were before and i know that's been the experience for me yeah i think uh you might if you watched my uh, three-year video and then four-year video you, you might have noticed that because like i was satisfied at three years but i was really not satisfied yeah. at four years <laughs> um because i was i remember way back in the day i was expecting like okay when i when I have been learning for like four to five years, um, mm-hmm. I will probably be able to like watch anime without subtitles and understand uh, a decent amount, like uh, not mm-hmm. really have to rely on a dictionary or anything. Um, I didn't really think much about reading, but yeah, that was kind of a vague idea I had in my head. And then it's really, <laughs> I, I'm really far from there right now. I, I do watch anime raw these days. Um, it's not that long ago that i started doing it actually uh but yeah i I'm, i can feel the improvement i even have a concrete example of um an episode of anime i watched uh like a couple months ago and then i dropped that anime i didn't re- lost interest but then i picked it up recently and i watched that same episode where i left off and i could understand the same stuff uh but a fair bit better already. Um, mm. And I think that was part of the reason of like what discouraged me in the first place to keep watching. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess it's just um, trying to listen more, consume more content and uh, getting better gradually. And when you say like your approach to studying has changed from the beginning, like you're doing a lot of um, like you mentioned watching anime raw initially, what was like, I guess, your approach and then how has it kind of evolved to what you're doing right now? Uh, Well, first of all, right now, my uh, reliance on like textbooks, uh, grammar, uh, kind of more academic style learning is way lower because I am kind of getting closer and closer to this uh I guess, point where it's just, uh, I don't know, just using the language, right, and getting better that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still do do, like, uh, short study sessions every once in a while uh, where I'll, like, write down vocab, write down kanji, stuff like that. Well, kanji is still very important, um, but uh, I don't do that nearly as much as I used to. Right now, I'm trying to... Um, you know, just consume more content, um, trying to enjoy actually using the language. And uh, some there, there are some examples where I can really feel it paying off. Um, 
maybe not quite yet as much uh, with like reading and listening, but I've I've had a lot of experiences like that with speaking, where I'm like, I'm having this like long and kind of not not the simplest conversation with this person, and mm-hmm. even though there I I have to ask them about the meaning of some words, I'm still using the language all of the time. And I'm able to make myself understood. And these topics are no longer that trivial. Um, yeah. So it's really nice when you get that payoff. Given that, do you still intend on taking the the N1 test? Given um, how like the N1 is like more focused on academic vocabulary, and also like how you spent a lot of times finally passing the N2. Do you still think you'll go and study for the N1? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I've heard that the N1 exam is not really that useful unless you're doing something academic, I guess. Um, I've heard that even like Japanese people couldn't pass it, um, like if they didn't prepare. Uh, And I think it's like they might not get max score if they don't prepare. But Mm -hmm. I think most Japanese people will be able to get like a passing grade because I think the threshold is only like 50%, right? You think so? Well, uh, I, I, I'm just going to go off of that then. Uh, I don't know where I heard that. But anyways, it's just like, I don't really see the point. The My mm-hmm. main reason was kind of of like taking the JLPT exam was just, so one, I had the achievement just for, because why not? <laughs> Two, in, uh, potentially it can help in the future with like work opportunities. And mm-hmm. three, I guess to just see if I can do it. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm not really that interested in the JLPT exam anymore. And uh, in my video where I talked about having passed it, I even said like, I don't think this test is a very good test. <laughs> it really, it, it just shows you, it shows you how well you've prepared for the test, not really how well yeah. you speak Japanese. Oh, yeah. You mentioned a little bit about like work opportunities. Do you have any um, interest in going to Japan in the future in a specific job? Not really, to be honest. I, um, I've, I, I, maybe my opinion will change once I've lived there for a year for university. But right now, I'm, I'm not really considering uh, moving to Japan or living there at all. Um, I think the the one year would be enough. I'd probably go for uh, like trips um, every now and then because I'm still very much interested in the culture, but. In terms of work, I wouldn't say so. Okay. And I guess speaking of trips, you have been on one to Japan. Yes. So your your channel actually featured um, a six-day vacation over there. So what was that vacation like? That was the most fucking magical vacation. That was the most <laughs> that was the best trip I have ever been to. Uh and uh it is really I feel like when I go to Japan again and for a longer period of time, I'll be kind of disappointed because that experience was so perfect. It was almost like a fucking, I don't know, almost like an anime in and of itself. (laughs) It was just, I had this great, uh, great time, like hanging out with uh, my Japanese acquaintances there. Um, I had like, I, I planned out all of my trip meticulously so that I knew like this day I'm doing this. This day I'm going Tokyo Tower. This day I'm going Akihabara and so on. Right. And um I really had a great time there. And um I would certainly recommend uh 
anyone, uh, even if they're not interested in Japan, <laughs> to go uh, visit Tokyo. Was there like a specific j- day that you like enjoyed the most out of that um, trip? Oh, a, a little harder to say, but maybe just my final day there where there was this. So I, this was so surreal. I like I messaged um, an acquaintance I had there whom I got in touch with, whom I met first um, at the Rubik's Cube World Championship 2017 in France. Uh, mm-hmm. I met a bunch of people there uh, from Japan and um, I got in touch in touch with them and he called over like seven of his friends and it was like eight of us in a like a Japanese uh, I'm not sure what what that specific type of place is called but it was just some sort of Japanese restaurant um, like a, a traditional one where you like you know cook the stuff yourself um, on the stove right and uh, and they like a couple of them like brought presents for me because I was leaving Japan, and uh, oh, wow. they were like uh, asking me about like my interest in Japan and in Japanese. Uh, and before that, uh, I went to because I had some free time, and one of the girls uh, who was going also had some free time. Uh, we ended up going to a Japanese cat cafe, and there were like a lot of. Uh, very cute cats there. I'm I'm very much a cat person myself, so that was an awesome experience. Um, yeah, that that whole trip was just really, just really magical. I can't describe it any other way. Did you experience cultural shock uh, when you first arrived there? Um, no. I think my cultural shock with Jap- with Japan was um, probably after that, actually, because I was still kind of naive and. Uh, did not realize that um, maybe some of these people are not as excited about <laughs> hanging out with me as I mm. might have thought. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they were, and uh, I'm just overthinking it. But I have uh, th- there have been other experiences where I've experienced culture shock. Um, but luckily, that in- during that trip, it was just it was great. So, did you meet like any other, I guess, friend, Japanese friends outside of the cubing community when you went there? Yeah, because uh, there were some. At the time, I was studying in the Russian high, Higher School of Economics, which is like our one of our higher-end higher universities. Um, mm-hmm. And they have a East Asian Studies department uh, with Japanese. And I was studying there. And there were some exchange students uh, who were Japanese who were studying Russian. Uh, so I met some of them. Uh, and when I went to Japan, I got in touch with them and uh, met up Um yeah, so it was, uh, I think, mostly uh, exchange students from Moscow mm-hmm. and um, those uh, Cuber, Cuban-related <laughs> friends. At that point, how comfortable were you having conversations in Japanese with um, those Japanese friends that you had? Um, actually, I was already somewhat comfortable. Like, um, I don't think I used English much at all. Uh, I did a little bit with some of them who did know, know English, but for the most part, I was learning. I was using Japanese, um, and I couldn't uh, like discuss uh, very difficult topics quite yet. But I, I had a great time talking to them. Um, the, the more difficulty came from like listening to them talk among each other because they just go right. really far fast uh they, they don't they, they go a little bit easier on you if you're a foreigner uh so yeah but uh, for the most part it was a good experience i would say 
Did you ever have to deal with the classic English situation in Japan yep. where you start speaking and yep. <laughs> and they just freeze <laughs> up? <laughs> I, I was thinking you were going to bring up something else. I I had a um, an experience where I would I spoke Japanese to somebody and asked them for directions and they spoke back in English and then I speak oh, back yeah. in oh, Japanese yeah, yeah. again and then they go back to Japanese. Actually, no, I think it was two exchanges in English. And then they finally switched to Japanese once they realized I can speak it a little bit. There was a really funny video that Dogen has made about this exact situation Mm -hmm. where it's like, he's like getting offended, like, (laughs) right? I I found that so funny. I think it's the one at the coffee shop, right? Yeah, something like that, where the the yeah. guy t- speaks back in Jap in uh, English, yeah. and he's get- getting yeah, all he uh, was like, "That's racist." I'm not. I could not be American. Call your manager, please. <laughs> Are you assuming? You really can't uh, can't assume anything these days. But kind of on the topic of language learning, have you found that your native language has deteriorated after reaching a high level in English and now studying Japanese? Uh, not from Japanese, but English. I I don't remember the exact point, but like somewhere between like 2012, I don't know, 2013 maybe, up to mm-hmm. like 2015, I began using English as my main language. Like, and I was like, I was thinking completely in English and I still do. And uh, like, I only use Russian either for making notes every once in a while, if it makes more sense to make the notes in Russian, or for talking to Russians. For everything else, I use English. Uh, and uh, I, it's been years that I've <laughs> used English as my primary language. Um, so, yeah, because of that, even before I went to the UK to study, um, my Russian kind of slowly deteriorated. De- deteriorated mm. uh, and... Um, my some of my friends comment on it uh, every once in a while when I make very <laughs> silly mistakes, and uh, I've actually had like maybe three people I think point out that even my speech manner, like um, I guess my tone and my mannerisms, are kind of yeah. not not very Russian anymore. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's definitely something I've experienced, but not from Japanese. I see. And speaking about your um, college time in um, UK, how was that? So, or w- so was it college, by the way? Uh, well, they, we just call it university. Uh, it's Manchester University. Uni- or university. Okay, okay. So, I guess, how was your time at um, Manchester University when you were over there uh, coming from Russia? Uh, do you mean in terms of studying or in terms of like uh, culture shock, stuff like that? Yeah, I guess in ter- more in terms of actually being in England versus Russia, maybe a little bit of the culture shock, and then as well as how it was to like live in a new country for, I'm not sure if it's the first time, first but time, yeah. how was that experience? First time, yeah. Uh, that experience was quite surreal, to be honest. Especially, I remember when I uh, went to Moscow for the like for summer vacation or something or spring spring break. Um, and then I got back to Manchester. I was thinking like, oh, I am now like returning to Manchester. I'm not going, I'm returning, which is, it was very weird that time, especially. Um, but yeah, I, I think when I first 
got to the UK, started living there. I was thinking like, oh, it's so much better here. Uh, there's all this stuff we don't have in Russia. Oh, well, I'm going to say Moscow specifically because all of Russia and Moscow are kind of two different topics. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to say Moscow. Um, but after like a couple of years of living there, I kind of started to appreciate the some of the things we have in Moscow that uh, are not as great in the UK. For example, like um, uh, public transport is so convenient here. And uh, like trains are very convenient and cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, I don't know, if I go to a different city, like I can stay in a hotel for very cheap. Uh, so travel is fairly cheap. Uh, just, uh, yeah, so things like that. Um, there were also things that I thought we didn't have, but upon like uh, looking further, like Amazon and eBay, uh, we kind of have our own equivalents. Um, so I'm no longer really sure if if I want to keep living in Moscow in the future or um, move somewhere. Uh, right now, I've not. I, I've kind of stopped thinking about leaving um, because I don't know where is a. Uh, I don't know of a place where I would uh, be comfortable living besides Moscow. I see. And sort of what you spoke to in the UK when you went to Japan, did you have like a sense of, oh, this is so much more convenient over here rather than in Moscow or in the UK? Uh, Yeah, well, to be honest, public transport is already very convenient in Moscow, uh, for example. Right. And public transport is very convenient in Japan. But um, as a comparison, we have one centralized system, whereas in Japan you have uh, like, what is it? The Japanese rail. You have uh, Tokyo Metro. You have uh, Toei, I think, mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. So there are all mm-hmm. of these companies and you have to have different passes or, or at least um, the, the like the fees are different. I don't know. It's just uh, it's already fairly convenient on that front in Moscow. And um, I don't know. I've not lived there. I've, I've not stayed there long enough to notice um, uh, a lot of other things. So I can't really say that it stood out as more convenient to me. I see. But you did mention that you were planning on going to Japan for your final year, but of course, everything with the virus. But not actually my final said, year, my third year, and then oh, my no, fourth third year, year my will be year. in Manchester oh, again. Manchester. Oh, I see. I see. That's, that's actually really interesting. So I guess for your third year, which you are planning on going to in Japan. Do you have any, I guess, contingencies for that in case, like, it doesn't pan out because of the virus? Uh, I don't know. I have, Right now, like, everything is figured out on the university side of things. And um, all that's left is for, Japanese, for Japan to lift its, um, like, visa restrictions. Uh, and then for me to get a visa and go there. I even asked uh, the, like, the, the dorm if... Because they said I have to move in like in September, but I can't do that right now. So they said that mm-hmm. they'll just hold the room for me until I come over. So which is very nice. Um, so yeah, it's just a matter of whether or not, or not whether or not, but when Japan lifts its uh, travel restrictions. I see. And you're going to uh, Ko University. Yeah. Right? Actually, in uh, one of our podcasts, it's like the next one that's coming out. We interview a student at Ko University. 
So that might be interesting if you. Oh, a Japanese student. Check that out. Yeah. Oh, I'll definitely watch that. I heard that it's a pretty good university in Japan. Yeah, yeah. So a great university. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to hear her um stories too because she is kind of a foreigner in terms of she's half Japanese, but she grew up in Taiwan and then went to Japan mm. for the university in Keio. So it's like a little bit of a different perspective mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. That's quite interesting. Yeah, hopefully it'll be something you can um, enjoy. But I guess before you get to Japan, so hopefully everything opens up and all is well. But do you have a specific thing you want to do once you get to Japan? Like very specific that maybe you didn't go and do in your previous trip over there? Yes, definitely. I want to travel as much as I can and as much as I can afford because it is a, a an expensive mm -hmm. place. But I, I've been recently like obsessed with the idea of like just going out of the city somewhere like into the nature and just like hanging out and relaxing a bit because it's just so like Moscow is a very busy city and uh, Manchester is not that uh, calm either. I would say uh, so. I just want. Uh, I don't know, go out some somewhere like into the Inaka in Japan, <laughs> just like <laughs> hang out, relax, you know, things like that. I think Japanese nature is so beautiful. I love it. Yeah, especially like oh, yeah. outdoor onsens. It's like really amazing. Mm -hmm. Did you ever get the actual chance to go into an onsen when you were in Japan last time? Uh, it wasn't really something I was particularly looking at. I already had a lot of things I wanted to experience and uh, that wasn't really at the mm -hmm. top of my list. So I didn't, I didn't go. I only had six days. I had to make the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to make the most of it. That's honestly not even close to the amount of time you need to travel and see everything yeah. in yeah. Japan. And, and I guess, do you have any plans of also like going to like you mentioned the Inaka, but are you also interested in like other cities like Kyoto, like Osaka, uh, or maybe even going up to Hokkaido? Yeah, I'd love to go to Hokkaido. There's a there's a really cool um, like aquarium somewhere in Hokkaido. I don't remember the city, but there there's this uh, Twitter account which all of you should follow. Anyone listening to this, <laughs> and you guys as well. It's called Aguhiyori. <laughs> And they basically just share these videos of these two seals from this aquarium. And they're the cutest seals ever. <laughs> and I, I just love like, and they always re leave like very cute comments like, oh, Aku is so cute today. Look at her eyes or something like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they, it's from the city in Hokkaido. And I really want to go to that aquarium. Uh, a mm -hmm. Japanese friend of mine who... I think is maybe like the only real friend I can say I have who's Japanese. Um, he has suggested when I mentioned the Inaka to him, he has suggested that I go to some place in Tochigi that we should go together. And I would love to see that. Um, he sent me some photos. It was really pretty. Um, mm -hmm. Then I guess, yeah, some popular places, Nara, Osaka, Kyoto. Do you, do you have sort of a backup plan um, for this year if, Japan does not lift their travel restrictions and you aren't able to go? I do not, to be honest. <laughs> but um, I should I should definitely be able to go at least in the second semester. Um, but I hope that I can go somewhere in the middle of the first semester. Uh, mm. But at this point, all I can do is hope. 
I see. And um, prior to this, you mentioned um, meeting Japanese people on italki, for example, but you've actually had more experiences meeting Japanese people actually in real、yes. life, right? And a little thanks to something that you wear. Yeah, I have this、uh, t shirt that I've worn in some of my videos、uh, where it says, Nihongo s a b e r e r u on the front of it. And、uh, I like, I just wear it out sometimes,、um, just in, if I'm going out like somewhere、uh, like in the middle of the city.、Um, And I've actually already met a few people that way, like a few Japanese speakers,、uh, native Japanese people too.、Um, and they, they have come up to me and started up a conversation and we had a bit of a chat. It was quite nice. I, I'm actually selling them right now、uh, on my website.、Um, so if any of you are interested in getting a t shirt like that, if you'd like to meet Japanese people in the wild, Uh, outside of Japan. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, but I like saying in the wild,、uh, you know, because they're like Pokemon and you have to catch them.、Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I would recommend one of these.、Uh, but yeah, I, I just like wearing it myself. I think it looks nice as well. Did you ever wear it when you travel to Japan?、Uh, I've not had it back then.、Uh, and、um, it would be weird if I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It would be like a master ball over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to make a fool of myself、uh, in Japan, but、yeah. outside, it's great. Yeah, it'd be kind of funny in terms of like when you go in the US and you see someone maybe coming from outside and they are wearing like a shirt that like says, like, Do you speak English? And you're just <laughs>、yeah. like,、right. have, you ever, have you ever seen those? Because it's also the opposite is popular in Japan, where like here we like,、oh, yeah. we like Japanese writing because it looks cool. They think like English looks cool and、yeah. they'll put some nonsensical <laughs> phrase on a t shirt and sell it and people wear it because they don't understand. So funny. Yeah, they, they, I've seen some pretty random stuff on those shirts. Like, I just saw one that was like, fucking smile, yes. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty funny. I was like, Alay, you do you, man. I, I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta respect that Japanese fashion scene over there. Well, who knows? Maybe they are two levels deep and they know that it sounds funny and they know that. The phrase will actually work and it'll make you smile, but for a different reason. Maybe, maybe they're thinking one step ahead. You never know. Yeah, some like 4D chess going on over here. Apparently, that brand,、yeah. uh, Super Dry, is like purposely making fun of that trend in Japan. Like they just took random、oh, words、yeah. and put in Google Translate into Japanese and made it like all their t shirts and logos. Wait, you mean, you mean、uh, t shirts th- that are written in English or in Japanese? No, there's this one like, yeah, it, popular brand, Super, Super Dry. Yeah, I, kn- I know、right? it. I know it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All their, so all their shirts have like, Japanese words, and their, their logo says, like,、uh, it has a Japanese motto. And it doesn't make any sense because they just put <laughs> Super Dry into Google Translate and then put、right. it on the t shirt. <laughs> I was always wondering. I was trying to look that up with like, a dictionary, and I,、yeah. I couldn't figure out what it meant just from the Japanese writing. Yeah, I actually had like a pretty funny experience with that because, like, the first time I went to Japan, it was like also like a trip, like, like you, the one you had. It was like a six day trip to Japan with a couple of my friends. And I'd like the first time, like, I'd gone out like internationally, just like 
like by myself with a couple of friends type of deal. Mm-hmm. But right before then, I bought a super dry jacket because it was in the winter time. It was going to be cold. Mm. And I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm getting like a like a Japanese jacket <laughs> with like and then I'm going in Japan because I didn't like understand any Japanese at the time. And I was right. like going I was like feeling myself with that. And then afterwards, I found out that it's actually like a brand from the UK and they have like nothing to do with Japan. And I was oh, like, oh, I didn't even actually know I, that. I, I, I was wondering why I've not seen it before going to the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah apparently like it's like it's like i mean it's really big of course but yeah like the japanese was super like it, it get it fools you <laughs> well as but long as it sells as long as it sells hopefully the we can say that about your shirt in a little while too <laughs> <laughs> well honestly i first and foremost i just wanted to get one for myself uh if uh, people want to buy it, it's just a bonus. We're not, we're like, uh, as soon as you buy one, we immediately print it and send it out. So it's not like I have mm-hmm. a, a huge stock that I have to sell immediately. I just really wanted a couple of <laughs> t-shirts like that. Yeah, I mean, it's like really interesting to just be able to go out and kind of signify that you're looking for Japanese people to talk to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Usually like pretty difficult kind of given like, the nature of Japanese people being like a little bit on more on the reserve side. Well, and, but and I guess how would they even yeah. think that you speak Japanese if you don't look Japanese, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but I guess like going back to like the whole um, meeting Japanese people in the wild, like you like you mentioned. Um, what exactly did you end up like talking about when you met up with them in Moscow? Uh oh boy. Uh, I guess just like. Uh basic cultural exchange uh just talking about like differences between russia and japan asking them about well asking each other about why we even decided to learn these languages um the Mm -hmm. the guy that i mentioned who is like uh, my only like real friend uh from japan uh i met him just Mm -hmm. like that there's like a in the in the moscow state university which is our top tier university here uh there's like Uh a this this event they do once a month where they'll have like Japanese speakers and Japanese native speakers, um, like uh, all mingling and uh, just, you know, talking and stuff. But like last time I went there, there were barely any Japanese people. So I just kind of got bored and left. Uh, But before (laughs) it was a little more active and uh, that's where I met uh, this guy. And uh, yeah, we just, uh, talked about stuff we're interested in, did some basic cultural exchange, and then he went back to Japan. And uh, luckily enough, he uh, actually uh, messaged first sometime uh, because most of the time I have to message first with Japanese people. They don't really want to talk to foreigners, it seems. Yeah, yeah that's when you know you made it. <laughs> <laughs> Yatta! <laughs> Yeah, are there is there like a pretty what's like the Japanese population in Moscow? Do you know? Uh, probably abysmal. I can't, even, <laughs> I can't even think of it honestly. I have met Japanese people randomly here through mm-hmm. so o- over uh, three years. Let's say I've met Japanese uh-huh. people randomly twice. Uh, oh, every wow. other time was like uh, intentional going out, right? Uh, but by mm-hmm. accident, it's only happened twice. I remember the first time I made a video about it where they, they were like, I was on the subway and uh, 
like an Asian couple walked in. And I was like, oh, could they be Japanese? And like 99% of the time, they're Chinese because we have a huge Chinese population here. Uh, but I, I, I looked at the map the, the woman was holding and I was desperately uh-huh. trying to look for some kana. Uh, but it, like, there were like a lot of kanji there because it's like place names. And then I saw on the side, it said Russia. And I was like, yes, jackpot. <laughs> and I immediately like, uh, started talking to them. And I remember getting so many looks from the Russian people uh, on the train. I was like, yes. <laughs> I, I, this is my yes, chance. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, that was uh, a very fun experience. Yeah, it's like interesting you say that because um, when we talked to Matt um, from Matt vs. Japan, he had like a lot of these scenarios back when um, when he's he in Oregon. Mm-hmm. So he would just like go and not necessarily like stake them out, but as soon as he heard some Japanese, he's like, "All right, this is my yeah, chance, time I to talk to." Yeah, so I mean, like, it's always really interesting to do it when you can actually, like, utilize the language that you've learned Mm -hmm. and really not, like, like, again, like you mentioned, like, there's not too much practicality in tests when all you want to do is, I guess, speak to people if that's that's your entire goal. Mm -hmm. But, like, really going towards that is, like, an amazing feat. But I guess given the practicality of languages, you mentioned, um, Japanese as well as a little bit of German prior Mm -hmm. but do you have any other interest in learning maybe a language other than Japanese or German or do you want to mainly just keep focusing on Japanese in like I guess the future I certainly want to focus on Japanese uh, probably at least until the end of university because I don't see the point in studying two languages at once when I'm also trying to uh, pass like you know get my degree Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't really study it with the university program. I just kind of do whatever they... <laughs> well, I don't even do what they say. I, I kind of... I, I, I didn't do any of my homework. I uh, uh, bailed out on a lot of my proje- projects. I just went to the exams and then passed those. And it was enough because the exams were <laughs> 70% of our final grades. So I was like, what's the point in wasting all this time when the passing grade is 40%? Um <laughs> and uh, so far, it's worked out every time. Uh, so I have no regrets about that because uh, I feel like it's a bit of a hindrance more than a help studying it with university. Um, but yeah, uh, until I finish my degree, I don't think I'm going to focus on any of the language. Um, but I think uh, once I'm at a comfortable level with Japanese, I would want to hopefully maybe at least, uh, you know, on the side, learn another language, maybe uh, get back to German. That would probably be the best idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I don't know if I'll actually study another language as seriously, uh, but we'll see. Uh, it's it, the main the main barrier is like fine. Sorry, the main benefit is like uh, wait, what am I saying? The main uh, variable is like finding a, a language you have an interest in, right? And then once you do and you're like, I really want to get good at this, then it's like smooth sailing, right? As long as you're not making very, very obvious mistakes. Uh, But I I don't really have any other language like that right now. But who knows? Um, I've been kind of interested in Hebrew recently. But again, I don't really have much of a reason to learn it. So we'll see. We'll see uh, what I'm feeling uh, when I'm at a comfortable level with Japanese. 
Gotta wait for the update video, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you have any specific goals that you want to reach with Japanese? Uh, maybe you can talk about some of your achievements with Japanese so far, too. Um, hard to say. I, I want to... Because my, I don't really have... Uh, I don't really make concrete goals anymore. I think uh, the main uh, goal is to keep learning, right? Uh, and mm. I'm not too fussed about how quickly I do it anymore. I used to be very fussed about it, but I, I don't think it's such a big deal. I think as long as you're making progress and you're happy with learning the language and you're not making very obvious mistakes, then should be fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd want to get to a level where I can listen to the language comfortably. Uh, like I remember with English, um, it was actually much e easier to get to that point with English because there's a lot more cross crossover with Russian, even though Russian is not a Germanic language, but still. Um, and yeah, it, it, like there was a point at which I didn't really need to use a dictionary. I would only really use a dictionary when I heard a new word. And I was like, okay, I've heard this word before. I want to know what this means now. Um, mm. So I, I would love to get to that point with Japanese where... I don't need a, a dictionary anymore. And I can understand like 90, 95% of everything they're talking about uh, when listening. But with reading, it's a bit more difficult because you can have like very specialized texts, which even Japanese people could not read, right? Or they would struggle. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of less, uh, it's a little more of a slippery slope, I would say, with reading, because uh, it depends on what kind of stuff you want to read. Uh, I'm sure I would probably have a better time reading something about Rubik's Cubes than somebody uh, who's just uh, an academic Japanese learner or something. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's about like at that point, it's, it almost gets into the territory of knowledge uh, of just stuff over knowledge of the language. Like, uh, for example, there is a lot of stuff I know about in English but I don't know about it in Russian. <laughs> like, I don't know the terms. I don't know how to talk about it. I don't know how to discuss it. I just use English words. Uh, yeah. and I try to explain to Russian speakers what I mean. Uh, and then uh, maybe there are some topics like that backwards where I could talk about it in Russian, but not in English. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm rambling. But <laughs> my point is just that <laughs> with reading, it kind of gets uh, a bit less uh, clear. Uh, like if, if I say, oh, I want to understand like 95% of what I'm reading. Well, somebody could give me a book mm -hmm. that would be so foreign to me that I would not understand even half of it. Uh, or mm -hmm. somebody could give me a book now where it's so easy that I would understand everything already. So, uh, I guess I just want to be comfortable. It's a, I know it's very, very vague, but still I, I'm not comfortable now. Uh, I have to use dictionaries. So when I'm comfortable, I'll probably... Uh, I'll probably know, uh, but regardless, the uh, the main point is to keep moving forward and keep getting better. Do you have like a specific strategy moving forward in order to kind of like tackle reading, for example? Just read more. <laughs> Same for listening. I just want to <laughs> listen more. Um, it's a, I, I guess it's just like practice, right? Like with the uh, with speed cubing, I did a lot of speed cubing. Uh, the main thing is practice. If you practice more, you get better. Uh, same thing with uh, music. You practice piano more, you get better. It's kind of the same with everything. Uh, mm -hmm. These days, people refer to it like as immersion, it seems. So 
uh, I guess I, you could say I want to immerse more. But I, I just kind of—I I always just call it practice. I don't really see much of a difference, to be honest. Yeah, immersion is everything. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna—I yeah, I, so I wanna get a huge pool and immerse myself completely. Uh, just so every every nook and cranny is filled with Japanese drowning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we love pouring all that Japanese down on everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like kind of a running joke with our <laughs> podcast too. Like the first episode we had is called "Immersion is Everything," and like we have like a Discord too, and it's just like "Immersion is Everything." <laughs> like whenever it gets brought up, it's it's a thing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, but I, I guess have you um. Have you done anything specifically with immersion in mind? Like, have you thought about it, like, um, kind of along the lines of maybe, like, Matt versus Japan's, like, sort of MIA method, for uh, example? Yeah, I've certainly learned a lot from uh, his stuff in terms of, like, practicing. Like, uh, I I have a... Well, yeah, he, like, he, like, has all of these videos he puts out for free. And I think it's a great thing he's doing because there's a lot of useful mm-hmm. stuff in there. And uh, I think uh, even if you don't decide to, like, fully go hardcore into immersion, uh, you can still take away a lot of useful stuff from it. Uh, So, yeah, I've definitely um, applied uh, a lot of those tips uh, to my own studying. Um, So mostly, like, to the way I practice. I try to just kind of... I don't know. Just try to listen more, read more. Try not to fuss too much about not understanding stuff. Just there, are, there are a lot of tips uh, you can learn. So yeah, I've definitely learned a fair bit from uh, Matt's channel. I see. Also, you mentioned a little bit about like the exams you took and sort of like the whole university classes for Japanese. Do you have maybe like a funny story or excerpt from there where? It kind of just you, you were kind of um, amused at what was going on in the classroom in terms of what the, actually they were doing, or uh, yeah, I yeah. Uh, I was actually very like I was uh, looking back at it, it's kind of cringy. Like I was very salty back then. I was thinking like, oh, th- all of this academic studying is such bullshit. They're wasting our time. Why do we have to do this? Like, uh, I mean, I still kind of believe it i just try to be a, a bit less of a uh i don't know <laughs> a bit less of a dick about it <laughs> but yeah it's just i i don't like the approach because we have especially with my university in manchester because we have all of these opportunities to speak with our native japanese teachers um but what we do is we'll just uh read out words from the textbook we just go Nihongo, Nihongo, just, benkyo, benkyo, every time. And that's like uh, once a week we spend like, I don't know, uh, 10 minutes, 20 minutes just doing that and nothing else. Uh, Just reading out the words. And then like grammar, which I personally, I don't know, maybe I'm just uh, an exception, but I've personally always found grammar very, very intuitive. So I studied by myself. I don't need a teacher to break it down for me. I'll, I'll ask I'll ask questions if I'm confused about something, but I could do that in some other time. Don't have to spend the whole class studying grammar, I I think, personally. Um, mm. 
but and then we had these uh like classes which are supposed to be discussion classes uh where we're supposed to be talking but all we do is we have a dialogue from the textbook and we just read the dialogue and fill fill in the blanks how is that me talking i'm just reading it's it was very frustrating because the with the assets that they have they could do a lot more but they don't they um they go the the good old uh unproven i want to say route uh which does not yield results in the long run uh and uh yeah i guess uh it's just the path of least resistance just take what people pay money for already uh I remember hearing about these these classes in um, some school in Vancouver in Canada where they will like kick you out as soon as they hear you speak your native language and they'll they'll keep oh, the money. Wow. They say you have to sign a release that you must never oh, speak your native language or they will kick you out. I think I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like immersion it's like an immersion uh, program where like for 3 months over the summer mm-hmm. you can't speak your native language. Yeah. And um, I mean, I don't know how effective that is because like a lot of it is talking to foreigners, maybe. I don't know. But I just mm-hmm. found the concept very interesting. Uh, but yeah, with our classes, it's a bit frustrating, I want to say. Uh, but then like my favorite were, weirdly enough, the classes we had with our non-native speaker. So like uh, our translation classes with our British teacher. Um and those were better because we were actually reading a text and actually trying to translate it. But with that, uh, I had a bit of a different frust- frustration where some of the texts were just so difficult. <laughs> like I had to look up <laughs> words like several times a sentence. Um, and I thought like, is this really what Japanese reading is like? But I'm reading a Japanese book right now and it's not nearly as bad. I don't get why they were giving us such difficult texts. Uh do you remember what you were reading? No, I can't remember. There were like some news articles, some like food recipes, some journals, some like books, novels, stuff like that, like excerpts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then there was also stuff where we listened and tried to understand, which are th- those are pretty good. Uh, but yeah, there, some of the reading that we did, that was tough as hell. Uh, so... Uh, but yeah, that, that was probably the best stuff we did. Uh, there was no real speaking practice. Um, no real... Yeah, just very very little of substance, I want to say, personally. when So when you go to KO, KO uh, for your study abroad, are, do you still have to take Japanese classes or would you be taking classes no, in I Japanese? Am, I, I said... I had my JLPT N2 exam, my yeah. uh, past, and I showed them that. And I was like, no, I'm not taking Japanese classes. Uh, I mean, it's not like I went out of my way to do that. It's said in the program. Like, if you have GLPTN2, you can um, skip, you can forgo the Japanese classes and take actual classes with Japanese students, which I'm really hyped for. Uh, but I also feel like it's going to be really scary because they're just going to treat me like I know Japanese, uh, like uh, I can speak it freely. Uh, and it's probably going to be very difficult, but that's, uh, there's no, there's no, uh, shortcuts, right? You gotta, gotta mm. do it. Yeah. You gotta throw yourself in, I guess the wild grass. Yeah. Throw myself <laughs> in the deep end, do it like the way, the way it's meant to be done. 
Yeah, have Pokemon appear everywhere <laughs> around you. <laughs> I would be the wild one then, not the Japanese people. <laughs> that That is true. It's just all a matter of perspective. <laughs> did you actually, did you end up meeting anyone in your, like, Japanese class in Manchester that was, like, actually very proficient in Japanese and also wondering, I guess, the same thing of, like, oh, this class is like total bullshit yes one guy um i i still don't know if uh i well i don't really care as much anymore but at the time i was very like competitive with my languages i was like i want to be the best one in class nobody can be better than me and uh i i i don't know it's it's hard to measure with languages uh so maybe i am maybe i'm like second or third um or well no maybe second but there was a guy who used to study with us with, where Japanese was his minor. Um, and he like dropped out. He was like, this, this way of learning is so such a waste of time. And he was the only guy that I was on the way, same wave, wavelength with. And uh, <laughs> I feel a little bit envious because uh, he doesn't have to do it anymore. But I don't really have much of a choice <laughs> because... I, I can't really think of any other degree that I'm interested in enough to spend four years doing it. Damn, he he just left you like that. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, there was a time when there was some Japanese person who studied with us, which was weird. I was like, why are you studying Japanese when you are Japanese and you speak it fluently? Um, but they, they just came to a few classes and... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was just like a cultural exchange thing. I don't I don't really remember. Uh, but yeah. Unless it was like that one arrogant Japanese person. Like you never see it, but somehow appeared in your classes like, all right, I'm just going to go flex on everyone here and leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've actually never seen a Japanese person like flex before in my life. It's, um, yeah. I don't know if I have. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a, that kind of culture there. You're kind of, uh, it's mom, oh, yeah. mom mentality. It, well, not mom mentality. It's like you, you think of it as like you are part of a whole, not not whole, a, an individual, yeah, yeah. right? Exactly, which has its, yeah. which has its benefits too, uh, if you think about it in some cases. Like the, I remember the hearing the story, sorry, this is a tangent, but I remember hearing the stories about this the show. tsunami in 2011, like just the, mm-hmm. the cooperation and stuff like that. It's very, um, I don't know, heartwarming, I guess. I see. Did you ever, like, I guess, experience that in the times you met, like, your Japanese friends or maybe, like, with cubing? Like, was it, like, a very, I guess, like, modest, humble approach? Like, they probably just, like, broke their personal best and <laughs> they just come in and they're like, oh, it's, it's nothing. You're you're way better. It's type of thing. Like, Yeah, definitely very humble. Um, I... Uh... I don't know. I've not really spoken to the the cubers as much. Uh, well, I have a bit, but not really enough to have uh, a lot of anecdotes. But yeah, overall, just very humble, uh, very nice people. Uh, I still remember the, there's this guy. Uh, his name is Arifumi Fushimi, who is uh, the best in Japan for a lot of events. And uh, I think he was even, uh, I think he was world champion one time for one-handed um i'm not too sure but i think he was and uh yeah he was very nice and very humble and very um like helpful as well with my japanese uh, at the time i was at the time i first met him i was i've only been learning for a year and a half and 
Mm -hmm. uh, he was really uh, accommodating and helpful. He like uh, showed me to, uh, like to their um, table where they were sitting at the world championship with the, the Japanese keepers. And it felt uh -huh. so weird. It's it like, almost like, uh, I don't know if they really accepted me, but like, I don't know. I was hanging out with them. Uh, maybe in hindsight, uh, they were thinking like, oh, why is he sitting with us? Uh, but actually, you know, uh, at last year's world championship, they the, invited me themselves because they remembered me and they were like, oh, nice. let's go have dinner. And I was like, oh, my God, is this really happening? <laughs> <laughs> You've been accepted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Finally assimilated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess once you get the chance to go over there, you can actually like hang out with them there, too. It'll be uh, like just like more like frequently, I guess, too. Mm -hmm. So. It'll be a great experience. But I guess speaking to cubing, though, that's one of your other main hobbies. So, and you actually feature it a lot on your channel, actually, or previously. Well, yeah, I used to. But, <laughs> yeah, but could you explain how you got into cubing and how it became such a passion um, at, a at that time? Very simple. Uh, there was a guy in my school uh, when I was... 14 years old. It was March of 2013. I still remember. Uh, and uh, he brought a Rubik's Cube to school. And I tried solving it. And I actually uh, got fairly like far along. I, I, I solved like two layers by myself. And then once I got to the last layer, I was like, okay, this is going to be a bit too much to figure out on my own. So I just looked it up online and then learned to solve it. My first time was like 11 minutes my second time was five minutes, so it's you immediately start dropping off. Um, and then, yeah, just practiced a lot, uh, started going to competitions. I've now been to 50 Rubik's Cube competitions, uh, oh, wow. just uh, squeezed in my final 50th one just before quarantine or uh, lockdown. Um, and yeah, uh, organized a lot of co competitions as well. Um, haven't ever set any records. There was one time when I was second in Russia for one event. Um, and also another event where I was third in Russia. But um, yeah, that's about it. My main thing was like blindfolded. Um, so I guess uh, I've achieved some success, um, at least uh, that I'm satisfied with. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, I guess it's just been practice and meeting people, especially meeting people. That was great meeting Japanese people, um, at some point German speakers too, practice some German. Um, it, overall, very, very positive experience and a very nice community. And I, I guess like you mentioned one aspect that often goes like um, not really talked about, which is like the actual organization of a tournament, which is completely different from playing and kind of checking in and just um, getting your time in. But how was that process like versus being the actual, I guess, competitor? Oh, uh, well, it's a fair bit more stressful because uh, you have to, like, if you mess up, it's kind of, um, well, if you mess up big time, it affects, like, all of the people at the competition. And uh, uh, there's a lot of, like, um, organizational skills you have to have, like managing people and their tasks because uh, you have like a small team right and i was uh, i think i was most of the time i was in the role of like one of the uh you know main organizers so i was like giving out tasks making sure that everything is uh, according going according to plan and uh, 
making sure that everything that needs to be prepared for the competition in terms of like equipment and whatnot is uh, ready and uh, yeah just uh, I guess like organizational skills overall and uh, Mm -hmm. you know managing your staff or whatever it is has that helped you like in your endeavors like moving forward and like presently sorry in my what oh endeavors yeah uh yeah i would say so uh i mean i've not i've actually done it as a job uh for a little while i was organizing competitions for this um like one of the biggest uh cube shops in russia um and uh yeah i uh like that was probably the most i've worked uh uh and then I was thinking about organizing or not organizing because there's already this event that we have in Moscow like once a year. It's called Hinode, which is like a Japanese uh, culture festival type of thing. And I was thinking like I could go to them with my knowledge of Japanese and with my organizational skills, show them the events I've organized and be like, come on, guys, you need I I could be very useful for your team. Let's uh, let's. uh, try to cooperate and uh, see see where it goes. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I'm sure it will come in useful. Uh, come in. I'm sure it will be useful in the long run. Uh, so yeah, definitely a positive experience, I would say. Um, like recently you made videos about some of the new hobbies that you started, like reading or music production and piano. Do you, do you find hard to manage time for all these separate hobbies? Uh, well, reading, I, I don't even know if I can say reading is a hobby because it's just... Like, I, I don't really consider gaming to be a hobby of mine. That's just something I do, right? So reading is mm. the same. Um, and right now I'm reading a Japanese book. So that ties in with uh, uh, Japanese. Uh, music, though, yeah, I do try to balance it. I recently put out a, a new track. Uh, and uh, I think this is the, the track I've worked on the, mo- the most. Um, but I'm still very much learning, trying to find my own sound, trying to understand music structure better, um, things like that. Um, mm. But I, I think I'm getting better. But this is, it's definitely not my main focus. It's kind of a side thing. My main focus is uh, Japanese and uh, my YouTube channel right now, I would say. I see. Also, I saw that you've read some uh, Murakami Haruki books in English. And I was wondering, mm-hmm. like, have you had any experiences reading in Japanese and comparing like how, how his tone yeah. changed? Murakami is actually the author I've read of the most. I read one of his book in English and then four books, which were a series of books in Russian. And now I'm reading uh, a fifth book in Japanese, uh, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle. Um, Mm. And honestly, I I can't really tell that much of a difference. Like uh, it it feels kind of gloomy and kind of slow paced in English and Russian. And it does in Japanese, too. Um, Mm. and I, I also like, there's a very, uh, like immediate, sorry, I'll say that again. Uh, I've also noticed that I, like, it's very apparent when, uh, Murakami starts kind of going into detail about certain things. Like he describes things a lot in detail. Um, Mm. and that's where Japanese becomes immediately harder. (laughs) I have to look up more stuff, uh, but like when it's just characters just doing things and like uh, talking, uh, mm. it's just so, so such a such a breeze. Uh, so yeah. 
it's it kind of ties in with a point I made earlier about how uh, even with like reading, you will have certain things that will be much more difficult than others. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I want to, in the long run, I want to be able to comfortably read a whole a whole book like that with, uh, I can't, I'm not going to say without looking up in a dictionary because I have to look up words in dictionaries in English and in Russian. Uh, yeah. So I don't think uh, that's ever going to happen that I'm not going to use a dictionary. And uh, I think that's probably most people, like even Japanese people have to look up words. So you're never going to know every word out there. So it's just uh, you, you try to learn more to have fewer and fewer new words come up, yeah. right? With Murakami, though, like his writing style is really different from any other Japanese author. And I read that in the past. I'm not sure if he does it anymore, but in the past, he would first write his entire book in English and then translate that into Japanese. So it would give him a really oh, like interesting uh, uh, style in prose. I... Uh, I remember him writing about that in his book, um, Hear the Wind Sing, which is his first book ever, where Mm. with his second chapter, he tried doing that. He tried like writing it in English and then translating it. But then he commented about how like it it made the Japanese very broken, but that taught, taught him certain techniques that he could then use in his normal Japanese writing. So I, I don't think he quite wrote full books and then translated them i think he just used that technique and then uh, applied that to his actual japanese to make it sound more interesting i guess to have his own personal style if i remember correctly anyways um but yeah you you are right it's very it's a very unique writing style it's very interesting and um i've read one other japanese no two other japanese books um not in japanese but nonetheless like um they were very different Mm -hmm. from murakami's writing I see. Did you learn any like specific vocabulary words that you like to this day like still like think about as soon as you hear like Murakami? Oh, Murakami. Uh can't really think of any because um I only recently started reading this book from him. Um Oh, I see. But yeah, there are some words that he uses a lot. Like he uses the word um kura, kurayami which is like darkness a lot. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, the the word Japanese people most commonly use for darkness, but he uses that word a lot for some reason. And there are a, a few other words that are, just reoccur, um, which uh, is kind of interesting, I guess. Maybe it ties in with his personal uh, writing style. Yeah, it's actually really helpful to read from the same authors because... They always use the same words, even across different books. So it's like, you might see a word for the first time and you think it's rare. But then once you read like a few more of the books of like the author's books, like, oh, the word comes like all the time. Oh, yeah. I, I noticed that with, uh, I was reading a manga from uh, Kuru Kyo Shinsha, who's like the author of um, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. And uh, he, uses, he uses like obscure kanji a lot. Like he writes modao. With the kanji for modal, which is mm-hmm. kind of strange because uh, I, I don't really see that almost anywhere else. Uh, yeah. But through reading the the manga, I started noticing these reoccurring patterns in his writing. I see. And like, 
I guess speaking to like your the hobbies that you mentioned previously in terms of like music production, how exactly did you get into it? Like getting into like Ableton, for example, and like actually like because you previously spent um you spent time on the piano and then you went in once you got more into music production. Now you have like this entire setup around like your <laughs> laptop that you showed in one of your YouTube videos. Like how did you like transition into that and? really like develop this passion? Uh, that's actually a good question because uh, I remember like for many years, I was feeling like I really wanted to do music. There was a time when I tried learning guitar. There was a time I tried doing DJing. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I always liked singing, even though I really suck at singing. Uh, I just <laughs> like doing it uh, when I'm alone. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> I've always really had been drawn to music. And uh, that's also maybe a little bit, uh, I, I don't even want to say that it's uh, like uh, gets in the way of Japanese, but like, I guess uh, it causes me to have some like lost opportunities in terms of like immersion. Because when I go out, I really want to listen to music. I don't want to listen to Japanese content. Um, and yeah, I, I uh, really, I've had this inclination towards music for a long time, I, th I think. Um, and I first tried piano, which was actually from talking to a Japanese guy I met in a bar. Uh, well, it was, a, it was an event for like Japanese speakers. But nonetheless, I met this guy there who was learning Japanese. And uh, yeah, I just thought like, maybe I should try piano. And then uh, I started learning piano a bit. Then eventually I uh, saw some video about like synthesizers and then it like, I remember it like clicked in my brain. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to do like synthesizers, electronic music, stuff like that. And then it just snowballed. Mm -hmm. I, I spent a lot of the money I earned from organizing competitions on music production. <laughs> uh, so it was a very nice opportunity and uh I really like uh, music and I really like doing it with hardware because you have that hands-on approach. And to me, it's uh, much more enjoyable. Um, so yeah, and uh, maybe maybe I'll, I should experiment with some uh, Japanese style uh, music. I follow a couple Japanese uh, like electronic music producers. Um, oh yeah. And uh yeah, I think it would be nice to like learn from them, maybe try to adapt some of their things that aren't as present in Western music. Who knows? How exactly did you learn um, everything about like music production that you've um, gotten to know so far? Was it like through YouTube videos, for example, or maybe like an online course? Uh, yeah, a lot of it was from YouTube. Uh, music theory I learned from YouTube. Um, I did take some classes for piano, but that's not really music production. That's more more, more so just like music theory and actually learning to play the piano. Um, so yeah, it was just uh, self-study, I guess. Um, I also have this book about music production. Um, I should actually get back to reading it. I, I, I stopped uh, at some chapter not uh, like some time ago. Uh, it's very nice to have that structured, um, you know, idea in your head. I guess it's kind of the same as with languages. Like you can learn without a book, but it's the benefit of a textbook is that it structures things in your brain uh, and you understand, okay, this is this and this is that. 
I see. And you've kind of had this sort of like gradual evolution in terms of your music where like you didn't feel like satisfied with the first one, but then you got to a point where you felt comfortable putting it on YouTube and then you kept on putting it going a little bit more from there. So and now you actually released your first track, right? So how how comfortable do you feel in terms of um, your music production capabilities now after like actually having time to go and spend with it and learn more? Uh, I, I feel a little embarrassed about answering this one because I'm still very, very much an amateur. <laughs> I like <laughs> you should understand that if somebody puts out a track, that doesn't mean it's a good track. <laughs> uh, it's just like I'm trying to I, because like. A big tip that I got from other like artists is that uh, you should like try to just like finish something and like, uh, you know, make more and more and uh, you'll get better over time. Right. If you try to make the best song immediately, you're not going to like even if you spend a lot of time, you're probably not going to make a great song. Right. So the, you want to focus more on like just finishing it and moving on and then doing more and more. And uh, that's uh, kind of I'm trying to like um, go by that advice that I've heard from various different artists. Um, and uh, I guess I'm also trying to do the same with YouTube. Uh, like you could always perfect your video more and more, but you just got to finish it and <laughs> put it out there and uh, work on the next one. And I'm, I'm actually... Um, working on a pretty big video, well, for my channel, at least, a pretty big video about um, kanji. Uh, the topic is like, how much Japanese can you read if you know 1,500 kanji? And uh, yeah, I, I finished all of the research for it and uh, I've done like some testing because I, I know like around about 1,500 kanji. So uh, I thought it would be an interesting topic. Uh, and... Yeah, I have the script finished. I just need to like record it now and uh, edit it together, I guess. Well, so previously you mentioned how you you really like singing. And I want to ask, did you ever had the opportunity to go to karaoke when you were in Japan? In Japan, no. I've gone to karaoke like uh, in the UK. But I, I have uh, I have put on some Japanese songs, though. <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a specific song, song you're going to name drop right here? Senbon Zakura. <laughs> Do you know that one? <laughs> you don't know that uh, one? It's uh, Hatsune Miku. It's a very popular song from her. From oh, the, the oh vo- I've, pro- I've probably heard. Uh, I oh, know yeah, how to play yeah, yeah. it on okay. the piano and I can... Uh, well, I know most of the lyrics, I think. I see, I see. I, have you listened to a lot of Hatsune Miku like prior like I guess with like the whole interest in Japan or was it like this specific song was like a banger to you yeah well I have a few songs from Hatsune Miku but I don't listen to a lot of them uh-huh. I like Senbon Zakura though I think the the, the tune uh-huh. is quite nice uh, but I, I, I much prefer like live singing I really love the track this is kind of random but like I really love the track which also has an animated music video uh, it's called Me, Me, uh-huh. Me. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, oh I've yeah. <laughs> that song, I remember, dude, I like, I looked up the lyrics for it and I uh, tried to like translate it and understand it. And it was like giving me goosebumps because I really liked, uh, like I've been listening to this song for so long. And then I was like, oh, it's actually uh-huh. a, a very sad song. Uh, I, I was kind of a little uh-huh. kind of touched by it. it. It's a very nice song. I think uh, more people should uh, maybe look up the lyrics and try to 
understand what it's about. Yeah, it was like super interesting to me because a bunch of my friends like showed it to me because like they're like, dude, this music video is so weird. <laughs> but then like you, <laughs> I-, I was like a little confused and like off put at first too. I was like, what's going on here? Because I had, like absolutely zero context like plunged in. Mm-hmm. But it is yeah, definitely should go check it out. I'm actually I actually never looked at the lyrics before too, so I'll go check that out right around after this too and kind of see see that it sounds actually super interesting yeah but yeah another thing that's also kind of interesting to me is have you ever seen those like hatsune miku like the the like live concerts oh yeah have you seen yeah <laughs> i have <laughs> it's uh it's a very weird uh cultural phenomenon in japan <laughs> i i uh I was actually thinking, like, just for the lols, it would be funny to, like, go to one of those with, like, a, uh, a friend. But now I'm just thinking, like, uh-huh. I don't know. Like, I don't get the the culture around that. <laughs> like, I don't know. I much, I much prefer live. Well, not live. Like, um, you know, real singing. Even, if, even though it goes through, like, five different filters to make you sound... Uh, <laughs> Like a robot again, but nonetheless, it sounds better to my ears than a Vocaloid. As long as, long as the person becoming a robot, not the other way around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is there any other like weird cultural like cultural phenomena, phenomenon about um, Japan that you just like, what is going on here? Hmm. Maybe uh, all of the like shows that they have on Japanese TV. Have you seen those? Like, the, mm-hmm. there's some really oh, yeah. weird stuff they have. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know. So, some of it is so vulgar. Some of it is just so weird. Like, it's just strange. I even, you know what? I even still get that kind of like feeling of like being taken aback uh, from even from anime. I was just actually before uh, we started recording this, I was watching um, oh. uh, an anime, and there were. Like, you know how there are some of these tropes where they will start, like, shouting to the whole class so everybody hears them and they make a scene and they make it so dramatic. Like, you lied to me. How could you? I trusted you, Sasuke. Right? But then they would, that would never happen, nor in Japan, nor probably in the West. So, like, it's just so fake to me. And I'm like, why? <laughs> It's just so cringy to me. I don't get it. Maybe it's like a, this weird fantasy for Japanese people. Like, oh, I wish I could just, like, I could just go all out. Let it all yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely is. <laughs> and I feel like that trope's kind of gone to the point where they're just doing that on things that like have like are so trivial and make no yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Like the guy will be like, "I got an A on my math test. Look at this, everyone!" Yeah. And, and then everyone's like, like "Oh, nande?" <laughs> right it's so weird and then like yeah as you said like very trivial things like somebody will like stumble and then the guy like heroically catches the girl and it's like it's okay you have you have my support and she's like oh oh my god tanaka (laughs) it's so i don't know it's just so weird to me it's so the just the over dramatization you got like the the camera pans into their face yeah like, oh, oh, yeah oh. you got the gasps <laughs> yeah yeah i find actually one thing i find like super interesting i, I kind of want to like 
know like a little bit more but at the same time i kind of don't which is like the whole like anime sound effects like i wonder what they're like in like the studio when they're doing that they're just like just recording like every effect we're like oh eh, oh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i mean yeah that's basically how it works right they maybe they they uh Maybe they drink a little bit. I know that they do that in, uh, in the West sometimes. <laughs> I, I remember seeing like this behind the scenes for like Rick and Morty, where the like oh, Justin yeah. Roiland will like uh, drink some booze and they record yeah. his lines. Maybe maybe they do some. <laughs> but of that's that also the them. character of of the of the guy of Rick. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Like, that's what I'm saying. And like, and he also does all of these uh, weird like sound effects. So. Yeah, but it's just so exaggerated in Japan. Yeah, I find it'd be kind of funny. Like, you know how, like, you have all the mumble rap and everything where they go and add, like, like, ooh, hey, oh, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> imagine you just switch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and imagine you just, like, swap it with, like, the anime sounds. Like, I'm going somewhere, somewhere, like, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's actually a great idea for a song. Hey, I'm a I'm a musical innovator. Maybe, maybe this is what you're gonna go do. Put this on your next track. Maybe, who knows? You never know. Yeah, you never know. This this could be the start of something big here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's too many sound effects going through my head right now, and I'm like too like i know i'm gonna be embarrassed the second like i play back the recording and i actually like attempted it so i'm just i'm just gonna go and not do that (laughs) save everyone a little bit (laughs) save save face a little bit on my side here (laughs) don't want to let the kodakara viewer listeners down (laughs) they're like oh raza i I, like i I was chill with you but then then you did that and i was like ah maybe i don't know (laughs) <laughs> hey but maybe people subscribe from that you know like oh dude, you know what probably right to be there. honest because uh with a lot of podcasts <laughs> it's just like oh what did you do today uh oh well yeah i tried this new game it's uh very exciting have you heard about this new movie that came out it's ca- so mundane yeah <laughs> yeah well for all the listeners out there um look forward to the new single immersion is everything coming out <laughs> sometime <laughs> <laughs> but i guess like enough memes for now but um uh are, are, do you have any like other hobbies that you're maybe thinking about getting into in the future or are you kind of set with like J- um japanese is the main with like music production on the side oh i really hope that i don't get into any new hobbies because it's it's even <laughs> like right now i'm not even doing university because like we have the summer vacation but like, I don't mm-hmm. really have quite enough time to do everything I want. Like, I want to play my Nintendo Switch. I want to read. I want to listen to Japanese. I want to watch other, like, regular YouTube that I normally watch. Uh, I don't know. I want to work on my YouTube channel, music. So I really hope that I, I don't find anything else that piques my interest. And uh, I unfortunately, <laughs> I have the kind of personality where... If I think about like doing something, I'm, I get really fixated on it, and I really want to try it out as soon as possible. Uh, and that's kind of how it happened with music as well. I like really dove into it quickly. Uh, so yeah, no, I hope uh, I'm, I just stick with YouTube. Uh, well, and other like online stuff that I'm trying to work on right now: mm. uh, Japanese and music. 
And I, I guess to give like the listeners an idea of like your schedule, like how long does I guess like YouTube take like Japanese and music production like in your I guess week? Uh, I don't know. It's very. I don't. I'm not really the kind of person where I would have like set schedules. So I'm. It's very like、uh-huh. back and forth. Sometimes I'll be like deep into music. Sometimes I'll be deep into Japanese. Sometimes I'll be deep into YouTube. Um. So. Right now, I'm, I'm、uh, like waiting for like a, a delivery that I'll need、uh, to like record my video. So I'm not working on the video because I've, I've finished the the script. So I can't really work on that right now. And I just、uh, mm-hmm. put out that new track,、uh, music track. So I guess、uh, right now the main focus is Japanese, and、uh, I'm always excited to study more Japanese. It's actually.、Uh, Also very nice. Like as you get better, you also progress faster because、uh, like you have fewer interruptions in terms of like looking up stuff in a dictionary. And I also hate the way I am with reading specifically because if it's listening, I'll let it go because it goes by so quickly. But with reading, I'm like I have to understand every single word in the sentence, and until I have deconstructed this whole sentence, I will not move on. And then if it's just like Above my level, then I, which actually happens very rarely now. But if it is, then I'll I'll just let it go. But I want to understand everything.、Uh, I'm very OCD about reading,、um, and I, I don't think it's that bad either. Because like, I will, like with that word, for example, I mentioned earlier, kurayami. That was a word I did not know before reading this book. But now it's come up so many times, and I looked it up almost every time it came up. It is solidified in my brain, and I don't even have it in my Anki deck.、Uh, so, yeah, I think、uh, it's kind of beneficial. I don't even do Anki these days. I just、uh, kind of <laughs> learn by like practicing and then looking up stuff. It kind of works in a similar way because you're still、uh, you have、mm-hmm. the spaced repetition from you know encountering the word, then、uh, seeing what it means, then moving on, encountering it again later down the line, and so on. Yeah, each time you look at a sentence, you're like, "I'm gonna end this man's whole career." <laughs> Deconstructing. <laughs> yeah. I guess, like, moving towards like your YouTube more specifically, what I guess is your maybe short term goal right now, and I guess your long term goal moving forward with the channel. Short term, well, short term girl. Oh, what am I saying? My short. <laughs> Hold on, I'll, I'll say that again. <laughs> Short-term goals,、uh, I would say right now is just to make more videos. I have、uh, not really been、um, my my upload schedule is very、uh, you know sporadic. I want to at least upload twice a month, at least as like a a baseline.、Uh, but、uh, yeah, I just want to upload more.、Um, you know, try to grow my audience.、Uh, try to maybe、uh, grow my Patreon.、Uh, Because I, like, and then tying in with the like long long term goals, I want to try to make it maybe more sustainable in the future. Because I don't know, ideally, it would be much nicer to just uh, work. Um, it's actually very similar to your discussion with Matt. Like, I just want to kind of work、um, with my own schedule, just do my own thing、um, instead of you know like a, a regular nine to five office job.、Um, So yeah, I think、uh, that is my main goal right now: to make more videos, grow my channel,、uh, 
try to make it more sustainable in the long run. And do you want to like move more towards like maybe mainly focusing on Japanese or do you want to still encompass like all of your hobbies together in on the your one channel moving forward to the future? Uh, I've come to realize that whenever I make like videos about other topics, I kind of alienate a lot of my audience. It seems like uh, just based on like uh-huh. the views and stuff. Uh, so I think I'm going to mainly focus on Japanese, uh, maybe like branch off into like uh, Japanese culture, maybe uh, Japanese history. I'm very much interested in like the the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's something that I've been really interested in recently. And I think uh, it'd be nice to like, I've already read a book about Hiroshima and I want to read a book about Nagasaki and then maybe make a video about my thoughts on it. Because um, there are a lot of uh, philosophical kind of topics in there about like how the Japanese people reacted to the whole situation. Um, so maybe I could branch off into like cultural history. Who knows? But right now it's just uh, trying to focus on the language side of things. Uh, try to make more of that type of content. Maybe I'll throw in a video about like music here and there. Um, but we'll see. The main the main topic is Japanese, of course. Yeah, the future is bright, but I think this is probably a good spot to end the podcast. But I really want to thank you for coming on, Denny. It was a pleasure having you here. And it was a great conversation learning more about you, the man behind the YouTube <laughs> channel. <laughs> I don't even have that big, big of a YouTube channel at all. But thank you. Thank you. I've uh, I've actually wanted to like uh take part in a podcast for a long time and this is a very nice uh, opportunity and i think it's a great thing you guys are doing because uh, i mean it is still i would say like in the grand scheme of things a fairly niche uh, hobby so like mm-hmm. japanese you know and uh, i i don't i don't really know of any other podcasts in this format about this topic so i think it's a very nice thing you guys are doing and i'll definitely be tuning in uh, for future episodes so yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me on. And I, I guess, um, do you do you have a specific message you want to share to the Korekara listeners? Uh yes, I have a message uh, to do with uh, language learning. I think you guys should try to enjoy the process as much as possible. If you're like, try not to get frustrated because that would make it worse for you. Try to like. Notice your, the the things you've improved on. Try to see uh, how you could maybe improve things in the future. Uh, just try to stay positive. Uh, keep learning. Don't fuss too much about how much progress you've made, uh, how quickly you're making progress, stuff like that. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the process. And uh, if you enjoy it, you'll uh, probably want to do it more and uh, achieve even more success. And uh, that's the that's you the heard. point after all, right? Why are we learning Japanese? To have fun, to speak to Japanese people, maybe to consume Japanese content content. Everyone has their own like specific reasons, but overall you wanna use the language and have fun. Hey guys, thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. If you made it this far, go ahead and comment down below who your favorite Japan-related YouTuber is because we would love to check out some more YouTube channels and maybe talk to them on our podcast. But in the meantime, thanks for listening to our podcast. Please like and subscribe to support our YouTube channel, but you can also check out our Patreon if you want bonus clips or you can join our Discord and talk to us. Peace.